If you're just joining us, we are in our uh, fifth installment of a series that is a six-part series called Off the Chain, and uh, we've been looking at the book of Galatians. So if you have your Bible, you can turn right now to the book of Galatians, chapter 5. That's where we're going to be in just a minute. If you've got some notes, um, they'll be there on your notes, and then it'll be on the screen as well. We try to help in as many ways as we possibly can. Electronic Bibles don't count, just so you know. Uh, I'm joking. I'm joking. Everybody like, seriously? No, I'm joking. Um, the, the premise of this series has been this idea of choosing freedom every day, that we choose, we have a choice in having freedom. And, and so what we get to do every day is we get to choose whether we're going to be free or not. And, and we've been looking through the book of Galatians in each chapter, taking kind of big, uh, these big chunks out of each chapter of what this looks like. And, and just to give you a real quick two-minute uh, synopsis, catch you up to where we are today, uh, Paul is writing this book, the Apostle Paul. He's wrote 13 of the New Testament. Almost two-thirds of the New Testament is written by this guy, Apostle Paul. One of the letters that he wrote, one of the 13, is this book of Galatians. And this book is written as a, as a letter to many churches, not just to one church, but to many churches in the region of Galatia. And what happens is Paul is an apostle, and what an apostle does is he goes into an area, he usually shares the gospel with people, people get saved, and then he pretty much says, all right, all of you that are saved, now you're a church. You are the church, and so do what you do, keep loving Jesus, and keep going, and he's like, peace out, and he goes on to the next place. And then he writes, writes letters to these churches and encourages them, and, and sometimes uh, is provoked by them, uh, sometimes he's rebuking them. Um, but in this one, what has happened is, is the, the gospel's been preached to these Gentiles, these people who were on the outside. The Jewish people were the people that were of God. The Gentiles were on the outside, and the Gentiles are now getting saved. And so these Gentiles are now saved, and these Jewish people are now coming into uh, these churches in Galatia and saying, hey, man, I heard you got saved. And they're like, yeah, man, we're so excited. He said, hey, man, I, I, heard, I heard that, uh, that, 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 did he tell you about the, the circumcision stuff? Did he tell you about that? I'm like, no, he kind of left that part out. You know, that, that wasn't in the membership class. And like, well, listen, Jesus will get you to first base, but if you want to make it all the way around the track and you want to make it all the way home, you need to do this and this and this, and you need to obey these laws, and you need to get circumcised, and you need to stop eating this stuff. And, and so what they were doing is the, the Judaizers, the Jewish people were coming into these Gentile churches and saying, hey, Jesus is great, but it's Jesus plus all this other stuff for you to be saved. And so Paul hears about this stuff. And of course, he's pretty ticked. And so he writes this book, this book called Galatians, as a letter to these people to let them know that, that the grace of Jesus is a grand slam. It's the whole thing. It's all you need. You don't need to do circumcision. And every man said, Amen. you should have said that a lot louder. Amen. All right. You can eat, you can eat a meat lover's pizza, and everybody said, and boudin, and crackling, and seafood, boiled crawfish. We are free people, okay? So that is what Paul is reminding them of, that they're free people, and and he's telling them about this grace. And so week one, we talked about the different gospels. I would encourage you, if there's anything to go listen to week one, we talked about the difference between religion and relationship and the, what God calls us to in week two. We talked about this awkward moment that Paul has where he confronts Peter for some of the stuff that he's done. And then in week three, we talked about, chapter three, we talked about grace. And if you want to understand grace, that is the message to go and li- listen to. Grace. Grace is that we change our ought to to our want to. 
That it is no longer something we have to do, it's something that we want to do. And that grace is freely extended to every single person on the planet. God gives grace freely to all of us. You don't earn it, you don't deserve it, God gives it to you. And so that is grace. And so that was week three. And then in week four, last week, as we celebrated Father's Day, it was awesome how it also concluded with Galatians chapter four, which we talked about this idea of God as our father. And how oftentimes, really, in our relationship with God, it's skewed because we view God really more as a master and we're a slave versus the fact that God is a father and we're a son. And so last week, hopefully, how many of that helped you last week just to see God in a different way? That God is a father who loves you, that wants the best for you. He's not a slave master trying to tell you what to do and what not to do. He's a a loving father that wants you to be in relationship with him. And so that was last week. And this week, we are moving into a a totally different realm. See, for four chapters, really for four chapters, Paul has been telling the Galatians, don't let them steal your grace. Don't let them steal your grace. Don't let them steal grace. Don't let them steal your grace. Don't let them steal your grace. He's saying it all throughout these four chapters. And here we are in chapter five. And now he's going to switch gears and he's going to tell you, this is how you don't let them steal your grace. This is how you do it. In Galatians chapter 5, we're going to read, starting in verse 16, we're moving from doctrinal things to the practical things. And in chapter 5, look at with, look with me in verse 16. And it says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Let's pray. Father, we, we love you. God, and, 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 and as that last song we sing, God, with every breath that is within our body, we will praise you, honor you, look to you. God, I pray today that you would reveal your word and that the Spirit of God would help take this word of God And make us look more and more like the Son of God. We want to look more like Jesus when this is over. God, if not, we're just just wasting our time. So I pray, God, that you would help me to communicate the things that you want to say. And that as your word would go out, that it would drive deep into the hearts of your people. I pray that you would give us ears to hear. And heart to receive what you have to say today. And we love you. God, I pray that you would be with us today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. For those of you that may or may not know me, uh, let me give you just a real quick. Uh, my, I am married to a beautiful woman named Lindsay Elizabeth Belt. Been married for 12 years. And uh, my wife and I, we have three kids. But not just three ordinary kids. We have three boys. And so I tell people all the time when they ask, you know, do you have, you have a family? Yes, I have, I have three sons. And they're like, oh. And I'm like, yes, pray for my wife. Okay, you don't have to pray for me, pray for my wife. Now, just to give you a little backstory real quick, I was raised in a family, there was three siblings as well, I was the oldest, and then I had another brother, and then I had a sister that was the youngest. Lindsay, on the other hand, was an only child. So Lindsay spent time with Lindsay. And so, because that's what only children do. And so she had an only child, she was an only child, she had an only child, she was an only child. And I grew up in a, in a bigger family, and then I had tons of cousins. She had cousins too, but, but uh, it's just different. It's just a different dynamic. So, you know, when we got married, one of the things that she said is she said, I don't want to just have one. You know, I want to have multiple. Now, I don't want to have like a litter like Pastor Bubba, but I, you know, 
or a half a dozen or whatever he's got going on over there. And then definitely don't follow in the shoes of Zach. Okay, so I don't have the McCann blood in me at all. Um, I put the I put the goalie back in. And so, anyways, um, you'll get that in later. So, so we have three. We have three, and and we're good with it, and and all is well, and and we have all boys, and. You know, a lot of people say, oh, don't you wish you had a girl? And, I, and I'd say, yeah, I, I do, but I got enough girl in my, in, my, <laughs> in my life. And so and she's the queen, and she likes it that way. And so, but because Lindsay grew up in, a, in an only child environment, there are times while I am at work that I will get these random texts from her. And, and sometimes they'll be videos. Sometimes they will be pictures. Sometimes it will just be a random help. Um, but it's, it's oftentimes a picture of the last one. This is no lie. The last, this week, was, it was a video of Joel, my youngest, um, pulling his, his, his middle brother, his hair, leaning over a chair, pulling his hair, and they're both screaming, like, ah! And he's like, ah! It's like a scene from some kind of dirty fight movie. And so, they're going at it. And usually the, the video responds like this. Did your siblings, did you and your brothers always fight? And I'm like, yeah, we did that all the time. I mean, I was always dunking my brother's head in the toilet, giving swirlies. I mean, we did that all the time. It was all the time. Um, that, that just happened. We, we did that all the time. And so for her, she was like, I, I just don't know. Is this normal? Is it normal that kids fight like this as much as they do? Not only do they fight with each other all the time, the crazy thing is that then they go and they play the Wii, and when they play the Wii, they're playing a game where they're fighting each other in the Wii game. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And, and oh, maybe not. Maybe y'all, maybe y'all kids don't fight. Okay, never mind. Uh, I'll preach to another crowd. Uh, I saw a little thing. Lindsay sent me a little uh, image uh, many Sundays ago, and it said, the person who wrote the song, Easiest Sunday Morning, uh, obviously didn't have to get kids ready for church. And how many mamas can agree to that one? How many know your kids don't really start manifesting until Sunday morning? And then it's like, eat your toast. Get your clothes on. You know, it's just kind of this stuff. There's just this struggle, this fight that's going on. And uh, actually, this week, we're supposed to be going on vacation. And we have a 13 mi- uh, 13 mile. Uh, that would be nice. 13, that wouldn't be a vacation. 13, 13 hour drive to where we're going with three kids. How many know I'm just asking for it? I mean, say thank God for iPads and iPhones and uh, DVD systems and shut the heck up. And so, no, I don't do that. I don't do that. Um, <laughs> I don't even know where to go from there. I do do that, actually. And I have to repent and I have to, hey, this is a place where you can just let all your stuff out and I'll let it out from the stage, okay? <clears throat> so... The reason I bring all that up is because what we're reading in Galatians chapter 5 in verse 16 through 18 is this idea of this struggle, this fight that's constantly ensuing between two things that are happening. And what you can notify in this chapter and in these verses is the two things. It is the flesh versus, ding, 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 the spirit. That's the battle that we have that's going on in this chapter, and we see this idea, and I don't know about you, but I struggle. I mean, and I just proved that just a minute ago. Shut the heck up. Okay, so I struggle. 
I struggle with, with, with trying to do the things that God wants me to do and then just in a split second can just blow up. Anybody else deal, deal with that? And you're like, what happened? Like, I just left church. I'm already mad. I'm like repenting on the way home, and I haven't even gotten home yet. And there's just, just this struggle. There's this fight. And I don't know about y'all, but, man, I, 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 I counsel so many people that walk into my office and just say, man, life has just been hard. Like, I, man, I've been here. I've been trying to honor God. I'm trying to do what I feel like God's telling me to do, and life just seems like it got harder. People don't like me. I'm struggling in my marriage. I'm having all these thoughts. I mean, it's just this fight that's going on. And that is the life that we live. To be honest with you, any person that's lived life long enough, and especially if you've walked with Jesus long enough, you know that it's a fight. It is a fight. And to, and to act like there is no fight is only to deceive yourself. It's only to deceive yourself. So I want you to write this one thing down, and this is your first notes, because the key question that we've got to ask is, why is it that we struggle every day? Have you ever noticed that? Like, why is it a fight? Why am I always fighting? Like, I don't want to fight, but I keep fighting, and I don't want to be angry, but I keep getting angry, and, and how do we ultimately break that cycle? And so here's the first thing that you've got to, you've got to know. You're in a war. You are in a war. You're in a war. There's the flesh, Versus the spirit. A couple of weeks ago, I took a couple of guys from OSC and we went and saw UFC in, in New Orleans and it was awesome. It was awesome. And, 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 and you get to see these, these guys like paired up with one another. And we would always, this is what we'd always do before the match, we'd go, who you got? No, who you got? Who you got? You know, we're like, I, I, got, I got that guy. You know, he looks, he looks mean. Or I got this dude. He looks, he looks like he's going to get his beat up. And so, and it was fun. It's fun just to watch these guys go at it. And, 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 and that's what we have going on here. We have these two things that are at odds with each other, these things that are fighting with each other, and you're looking at it going, who's going to win? Who's going to win? Who's going to win here? And so we have this, let, let's, let's go ahead and, and, and give you the breakdown of, of who's fighting. So we got the flesh. What is the flesh? The flesh is not, in this, in this instance, the flesh is actually not like your body. It's not like your physical body. This is speaking of the flesh. It's, it's speaking of your inner desires, your soul, who you are. It's, it's the brokenness inside of us. If you could really strip down the flesh, the flesh is our desire to be our own God. That is the flesh. The flesh is this desire that we got it going on. We can do it. It's the flesh that causes you to say the things that you do, to desire the things that you do, to say and to do some of the wicked things that we do. That all comes out of the flesh. And we all have it. And then there's the spirit. And over here in this corner, you got the spirit. And the spirit is literally the spirit of God that dwells inside of us that points us to God to make us more like Jesus. The spirit's sole goal is to make you more like Jesus. That's, that's the whole goal of the Holy Spirit is to make you and I more and more like Jesus. And so you got everything over here on the flesh side. I want to be Jesus I'm going to be my own Jesus. And then you got the spirit over here trying to make you like Jesus. And so, of course, you can see that there's going to be this natural conflict. And the reason that you have the battle going on inside of you. Now, listen to me. This is for those who you have put your faith in Jesus. If you've put your hope and your faith and trust in Jesus for salvation, the reason you have a battle going on inside of you is because the spirit of God lives inside of you. 
Because when the Spirit of God doesn't live inside of you, then it's just flesh, so there's nothing to battle. You just do whatever you want anyways. But as soon as you give your heart over to the Lord and surrender to him, the Spirit comes in, gives us a new heart, but yet the flesh is not annihilated. The flesh is still there. And so let me just say this and, and, and really hopefully let some of you off and, and maybe more at ease here. The, the reason and the sign of whether you have the Spirit is not that you don't have bad desires. So how do I know if I got the Spirit of God in me? It's not that I don't have bad desires. It's that there's a war going on inside of me. That's how you know you have the Spirit. If there is a war going on inside of you, I want to do what's right, but I'm not doing what's right, and and you got that war going on, guess what? The Spirit of God is living inside of you, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And so there's this war that is going on inside of us within. So I want to share with you a couple of, of, of bigger ideas when it comes to this war and what we need to be mindful of in this war. So let's talk about what is the war within. What is this thing that we have? So the flesh, we're going to do kind of this verses throughout this whole thing. The flesh wants to focus on the external. You can write this down. The flesh focuses on the external, whereas the spirit focuses on the internal. The flesh focuses on the external, and the spirit focuses on the internal. Now, for you, you may, you may feel like, man, I, you know, I'm the only one. And I hear this all the time, like, man, I'm the only one just going through this stuff. It seems like everybody else has got it going on, man. I'm, I'm the only one struggling. Well, let me give you some good hope here. The person who wrote this book, Paul, also struggled himself much with what was going on the inside of him. And I'm going to show you Romans chapter seven. Look at this Romans chapter seven. This is the struggle that the apostle Paul fought. Now I think if there's anybody that's next to Jesus, I would say, how many would say apostle Paul is up there? I mean, this guy is a godly man, planting churches all over the place, getting beat, stoned and killed, and then comes back to life. Like how many know that's a bad mamma jamma right there? Now, you can't stone me. And the crazy thing is he goes back into the city that he was stoned in. Like, that's a bad dude. That's like, I'll be back in a whole nother way. <laughs> and that's, a, that's a serious dude. So, okay, this is the guy we're talking about. Okay, Terminator himself. Paul, and this is what he writes. Watch. Chapter 7, verse 21. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. How many of you feel like you can relate to Paul here? And I love God's law with all my heart. I love God. I want to honor God. But there is another power within me. Now notice where it says it is. There's another power within me that is at war with my mind. And this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still, what does it say? Within me. Now, remember, this is external, and there's the internal. Now, let me just set up this, 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 how I'm going to frame this all out. We have three enemies, all of us. We have three enemies, okay? Here's your three enemies. Satan, how many know that one was evident? <laughs> Satan and all of his minions. There's, there is a demonic realm on this earth, and if you are ignorant to it, you are deceived, Satan hates what's going on in this church. He hates what's going on in your life. He hates, he hates anything that has to do with God. And so, of course, there is spiritual and satanic attacks against us. 
You can see it all throughout Ephesians chapter 6. I mean, you can see it all that. We wage war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And so there is this battle that's going on with the enemy. But here's the good news, okay? There is a real Satan, but yet there is a real God who reigns and rules, and he's already defeated him. And so we know at the end we win. So, okay, so... So the reason I bring that up is even though there's spiritual attacks in your life, I just want you to know that the Bible says that the Spirit of God lives in you and you have authority over Satan just like Jesus does. So no worries, okay? All right? No worries. So you're like, I see dead people. Okay, just cast it out, okay? Just cast it out. Jesus has authority over all that. Okay. So that's the first enemy that we have. The second enemy that we have is the world. All of its culture and values and things. I mean, you can't turn on the TV without the world trying to infiltrate your mind and to try to preach to you what you should have or shouldn't have. The culture that we are around, what we are, the environment that we're in, this is the world and the world system. And can I tell you this? From the beginning of time, when sin entered the world, the world was broken. And so we have a broken world with broken desires. With, it's just broken. But here's, yet again, here's the flip side to this. Because so much of us as parents, we want to save our, save our children, protect our children. And I'm the same way. I want to protect my children from the enemy. I want to protect my children from the world. Okay, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, shelter them and we're going to do all this. We're going to protect them from all these ungodly influences. And that is good and fine and dandy and all of that. But Jesus says this. He says, he says, have peace. I have overcome the world. So, so however bad the world gets, listen to me when I say this. Jesus has overcome it. Okay? So you don't have to be troubled by it. Oh, it's getting so dark out there. Who cares? Jesus has overcome it. So he's already won in that area. So he's already beat Satan. He's already overcome the world. Now, let me tell you where we've got to be mindful of, and I think this is where we're really deceived. So all of those, the enemy, the world, are external. They're external things trying to get after you, your family, your children. They're trying, they're trying to infiltrate and destroy you. But that's not what I'm scared about. I'm not scared about what's going on in the nation. I'm not scared about what's going on with Satan all that's already been defeated. God rules and reigns. You know what I'm scared about? I'm scared about what's going on on the inside of you and me. And your third enemy is you. See, as parents, we try to protect our children from all the external influences, and we don't learn to protect them from their internal influence. So we guard and protect and, and do all that, and yet we don't teach them that there is a war inside of you. And so we have this internal versus external. Remember, the flesh wants to dress, just address the external. Hey, let's just get rid of guns. Well, somebody grab a knife. Somebody will make something. Are y'all with me here? You can't legislate good behavior. And yet our government wants to try to legislate good behavior, but when the people are bad, it doesn't matter. Are you with me here? Like, we're broken. We are broken. And so what, what, we, what we end up having is the flesh wants to address the consequences of sin, but the spirit wants to address the cause of sin. So you can't legislate the cause. 
You have to deal with that at the inside level. It is a heart issue. See, often we want to address the symptoms, but rather we should be addressing the disease. As many of you know, our son um, has a life-threatening disease, and we've been in a great season. He's been doing phenomenal um, please be praying for him. This morning, he's at his grandmother's. His grandmother called us at six this morning. He was throwing up. He's thrown up three times since then. We're supposed to leave for vacation today, and how many of you know that's just demonic? And so we don't know if we're going now. Um, so he's not doing well today, but he's, he had been doing well. And, and, and for those that don't know, my, my son has a, has a lung disease. And the lung disease, because of the lung disease, what it, what it does is it makes his heart work a whole lot faster. Literally, like, he's running a marathon all day long. And so for the first two years of us having this disease, because his heart worked so hard, there was a, a number of things that, that were the byproducts of an overworking heart. He, he, never, he never gained weight. He was 30 pounds for two years. Um, literally never gained weight. He, he had no energy whatsoever. He got, would get up from his chair, and he'd go to walk to one side of the room and have to sit down. He, uh, he, he, he didn't have an appetite. Um, he had a hard time breathing. He, we have a two-story house. He couldn't climb our stairs. Um, he, had, uh, when he was in pain a lot, so he had a bad attitude all the time, all the time. He was always fussing. Um, but these were the byproducts of his heart. His heart was working overtime, and so therefore he couldn't breathe, couldn't eat, couldn't gain weight, couldn't all this. And so back in November, we went in and we did a, a real rare surgery to try to help his heart relieve a lot of that pressure. And since November to now, I went in and, and uh, we went and looked at a lot of his charts and stuff and all that that's going on. He has gained like eight or nine pounds in like four or five months, and he's running around, he's climbing up our stairs, and he's swimming, and he's eating, and all of that is, is now happening. But why? Because we fixed the heart. And because we fixed the heart, the byproduct of that was that he got better. Now, ultimately, here's the truth, the disease is actually still there. And so his heart... Uh, except if, if God performs a miracle in which we continue to believe for, his heart will grow worse because of the symptoms of what's happening in the lungs. And because his heart's that way, then, then he will have a byproduct of those things. The reason I bring all that up is this. So oftentimes we want to deal with, oh, I just need to eat more. Oh, I just need to breathe better. Oh, I just need to, no, 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 no. You fix the heart. All that stuff will work itself out. Don't try to fix that other stuff. Fix the problem. Fix what's going on. And for us, what's going on on the inside of us is, is, is stuff that's happening in our heart. And the battle for your life is one in your heart. Yes. You need to listen to me. You might want to write that one down. The battle for your life is one in your heart. That's where it is, 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 is one. And what controls your heart controls your behavior. So, Parents, we're going to do a series in this fall, and we're going to talk about parenting and all this stuff and how to help, and I'm going to just give you a real quick sneak peek of what's going on. Oftentimes, we want to control behavior. Stop that. Quit that. Don't do that. Shut the heck up. You know what I mean? We don't want to do all that stuff, okay? I do it too. But the problem is, 
even as I addressed it with my boys fighting all the time, the pro- here's the problem. The problem is not, he took my weed remote. He won't let me pick that player. Okay, these are the stuff that I deal with all the time. Okay, and Lindsay deals with a whole lot more than I do. That's not the issue. The issue is, I prefer myself over you. That's the hard issue. The hard issue is, I look at my sons and I go, you're selfish. All of you. Okay, let's go. You know, I mean, let's... But, but that is the problem. They are their own gods. And they don't like it when other, try to, other people want to be more gods than they are. And, and however much we laugh that this happens at a 5-year-old and a 10-year-old level, this happens at an adult level, and it's happened for many of you right now. You think you're your own god. And can I just say this? You make a crummy god. Welcome to our Savior's Church. You make a crummy God. Tweet that, okay? So what controls your heart will control your behavior. You want to change your kid's behavior? Get after their heart. Fight for the heart. Go after the heart. It's an internal issue, not an external issue. You can ground them all you want. You can punish them. You can do all those things. You can spank them. And those things have their right place. But if you don't win the heart, you lose the battle. Because a kid can be complacent or can, be, can be, uh, have right behavior while they're in their, your home. But if you didn't change the heart, when they get out, guess what comes out? Everything that was stored up in that heart. I'm just preaching truth. So Galatians chapter 5, look at this. Look, look back in verse 13. Let me show you how this works and how, why we've got to have a heart overworking and overhaul and remodeling. Uh, Verse 13 says, for you were called to freedom. Come on, you need to underline that. You were called to freedom. You weren't called to slavery. You were called to freedom. Brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity, what? For the what? Don't use your freedom for the opportunity to to do what you want to do. No, 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 no. Let me tell you what you're going to do with your freedom. You're going to, through love, serve one another. Through love, you're going to serve one another. Now watch this. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. See, I don't... I don't need a law that tells me what not to do. Because when love is the governing factor and motivation of my heart, it will, I will not want to do those things. See, you think about this. It says the whole law is summed up in one word. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I would have thought it should have been summed up, love God, right? I mean, you know the two commandments, love God, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. But that's not what he says. He doesn't say love God. What does he say? Love other people more than you love yourself. So why would he say that? Why wouldn't he say love God? I'm going to tell you why I think that's the case. Because first off, you can't love other people the way that God calls you to love them if you don't love God. I mean, anybody got people at your work that you just really don't like? How about in your home? (laughs) Let's let's get a little more personal here. 
And how I many you know when you hear the command, love your neighbor, love anybody around you as much as you love yourself, you go, oh, oh I love God. <laughs> but Paul knew you can't do this without loving God. You can't. You could fake it for a while. You could fake it. But at the end of the day, you can't. And, and the other idea with all of this is we don't, we don't love because people are lovable. We don't love to get love. We love, and Denny said this so perfectly, we love because we were first loved. That's why you love. And so this is an internal working inside of it. You'll see in just a minute when we get into the, the fruit of the Spirit. The first one is love. It's love. And so if we're filled with hate, guess what that is? Is that, is that flesh or is that spirit? Well, that's easy. It's flesh. Because the Spirit is constantly doing an inner work in us to tell us two things. You are loved and you need to love. You are loved and you need to love. And if God is not in his rightful place, guess who you're going to insert in that place? You. If God is not at the center of our hearts, you'll be. So the spirit says God needs to be the center of your heart. God needs to be the center of your heart. God needs to be the center. And the flesh is going... I need to be the center of my heart. I need to be the center of my heart. I need to be the center of my heart. I'm going to show you this just off, off script real quick. This is not in your notes. So if you, uh, if you only are looking at notes and don't have a Bible, then you won't be able to get to this. But if you do have your Bibles, just, just listen. Don't even turn there. But you can write it down. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 through 5. L- listen to this. And this is specifically applicable to what we're dealing with right now in our nation and in our culture and everything that's going on from the, the, the Supreme Court decision that just came down to the racists that walked into a church and killed nine, nine black people to what's happened in our city to what's happening in your own home. Let me show you why this is going on. You ready? Second Timothy chapter 3 says this, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Amen. I'll take some of that. There will come times of difficulty. That's what the Bible says. Man, I just pray that things would get better. There will come times of difficulty. Man, I pray our nation would just turn to the Lord. There will come times of difficulty. And let me tell you why. For people will be lovers of self. Okay. Lovers of money. Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Does that describe our nation? And notice how it sandwiches the two. All of this, and it sandwiches the bookends are, they are lovers of themselves and they're lovers of pleasure more than God. That's the two bookends. And so here's the deal. You fix those two, all the stuff in the middle gets fixed. But we serve and we live in a culture, in a nation, where people want to love themselves and love pleasure more than God. 
And this is what it says. They have the power, they have the appearance of godliness, but deny its power. They have the appearance of godliness, but deny its power. This is the end times. This is the end days. And so however much I want to sit here and say, man, I really think that things are just going to turn around. Our nation's going to get better. Can I just be honest with you? It won't. The Bible says it. The Bible says it will get darker. It will get worse. But this is what the Bible also says, that Jesus and the church are the hope of the world. And that when things get darker, that we get brighter. That's how it works. And so you have no fear. Listen, you don't need to fear what's going on around you because of what God has done in you is greater than anything. He that is in you is greater than anything in the world. So don't watch something and get all that fear up inside of you because you have the Spirit of God living inside of you and he's, he's more than a conqueror and he's greater than anything that you face. And yet that's something that's happened internally. You know, for me, I mean, I, I do things around our house, not so that my, my wife won't come home and start screaming and yelling and turning into the Hulk. Like, I don't, like, why would, why would I, why would I want to do that to try to prohibit something from happening? The reason that I serve our family and love our family and try to bless our family and help our family is because of the fact that, that there's love that's motivating that. Are you with me? Love motivates that. Love motivates sacrifice. Love motivates those things. The gospel will never be powerful through you until it's powerful in you. The gospel will never be powerful through you until it's powerful in you. It's got to change you first before you can share it. And that's why most people are so frustrated on Facebook with Christians because of the fact that the things that they're speaking oftentimes is not the things that they're living. And it's, and what, it's, it's full of, of, of judgment and condemnation and all that. Now let me, just, let me just set the table straight because this is what we believe about all of this. I believe... And homosexuality, homosexuality is wrong. But, but let me hear, hear me on this. But you're loved. Amen. You're wrong, but you're loved. Amen. It's the same as I think about fornication or lust or any other sin in the Bible. Sin is sin and you're wrong, but you're loved. And that is the gospel that we hold. The gospel that we hold is that in this room is a bunch of wrong people that are loved. Amen. Amen. That's what it is. And, and sin is sin. Any way you slice it or cut it, it's wrong. And Jesus died for it. But he died for it because you're loved. And that's a, that's a paradox because I am sinfully wronged and inacceptably loved at the same time. It's hard to wrap my mind around it. I am filthy on the inside, and God is changing me, but I'm loved at the same time. How amazing is that? That I sin at this moment, and as soon as I sin, God says, I love you and I forgive you. Like, how amazing is that? But that's an inner working transformation thing that happens inside of our heart. 
And we want a heart change, not an external change. Number two, works versus fruit. Galatians 5, 19. And this is, the, this is the byproduct of the flesh. The byproduct of the flesh in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Pretty much what they're saying is the works of the flesh, these are obvious. Here's the obvious things. If you're going to walk in the flesh, here's the obvious stuff that's going to happen. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these I warn you, as I warn you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so apart from the transforming work of the Holy Spirit, this is what's expected when you walk in the flesh. If you walk in the flesh, this is the stuff that's going to come out of that. And I find that so often what ends up happening for us and, and, and all of us who struggle, we struggle, we have this inner struggle of flesh and spirit, and we struggle with sin, and we struggle with our mouth, and we struggle with the things that come up. And I find this, I don't know if y'all, you know, I love, we love taking our kids to Chuck E. Cheese. You know, I've shared some of that before. And, and one of the games that they have at Chuck E. Cheese, y'all know the game where it's kind of like a whack-a-mole? Y'all know, that, y'all know that game? And either it's like a, you know, they give you like a hammer and you're hitting things. And now, like, they've upgraded it and, like, you're stepping on them. Y'all seen those now? And so you're, you're stepping on all that. And I find oftentimes, you know, when I, when I put Joel up there, like, he's over here, like, in this corner. And, like, it's all going off all over here. You know, all this is going on. And so what ends up happening is I'm usually behind him going, and he's over here with these like two like this you know my son the reason I bring that up is because oftentimes with our flesh and our sin we play whack-a-mole with sin oh I don't like that bing 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 I'm gonna work on that I'm gonna work on that oh no 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 I'm gonna work on that one I'm gonna work on that one oh no no I'm gonna work on that one I'm gonna work on that one oh no no and while we're doing that we have like 20 other ones going off all around us but we're so concentrated on trying to put all these different little sins out And here's the cool thing that's happening. If we would stop trying to do that, we would realize that God is doing this. See, the works of the flesh are all the stuff that comes out of it. It's all the stuff that comes out of our hearts. It's where it's coming from. I mean, have you ever noticed that that oftentimes the more you focus on trying to get better, the worse you get? Anybody do that? The more and more I focus on how bad things are, how much I need grace and how much I, I, I fall short, and the more I just focus on all of my shortcomings, I do more of them. Like, I'm so mad, I get mad. And I'm getting mad now that I'm mad. <laughs> you know what I mean? And every time we focus on these sins in our lives and the flesh in our life, we actually feed it more and more. But look what happens in verse 22. Watch, watch what happens. So in verse 22, we have all this stuff that comes out of a heart that is, that is wicked. But look what happens in verse 22. But, but the fruit of the Spirit is. Now I want you to notice something real quick before I go any further. Let me ask you, is the word fruit singular or plural? Okay, so that's what Google's done for us? Okay, everybody's like, I don't know, singular, what's that? Okay, all right, it's singular. There's no S, okay? Dang, word spell check, you don't even know anymore. Okay, I don't know, I don't know. Notice it doesn't say fruits of the Spirit are, it says the fruit of the Spirit 
is different. Reason I bring that up, watch what he says. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Oftentimes, we tend to want to separate these traits. So what we do, this is what we do. You look at this and you go, okay, love. Okay, let, maybe let's try the next one. Joy, ooh, okay, peace. Okay, I feel like I got that one. All right, peace. I feel like I'm at peace today. Okay, everything seems to be doing well. Kindness. Okay, let's go to the next one. Uh, goodness. Okay, I feel like, yeah, I feel like I'm good. Yeah, I feel good. I feel good. You feel good? Okay, good. We got goodness. Okay, got check. Faithfulness. Okay, I show up to work. Yeah, all right, I'm faithful. And what we end up doing is we do this thing where we go, hey, three out of nine ain't bad. Right? Three out of nine ain't bad. And all we do is we, we, we do like a checkoff list. Love, ah, peace, yeah, I got the faithful. Okay. They're not inseparable. They're not inseparable. Uh, Lindsay comes home with fruit from Walmart all the time, and, and one of the things that, uh, that, that we, we love is we love grapes. And if you ever look at grapes are, not the ones like they've already done all the work, but the ones actually still on a vine, you know what I'm talking about? Like, it's all together. You get all of the grapes, and you're, you know, pulling them off individually. And the fruit of the Spirit is all of this. It's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control. It's, it's everything. You get the whole package. So when the Spirit of God is in you, you get all of them. You get love, joy, peace, patience. You don't just get each one individually. And when you're walking by the Spirit and you're led by the Spirit, the fruits of all of these are growing in your life. Now, you may feel like, ah, I'm, I'm not doing well in this. But it's, I'm telling you, God is growing all of these together. Now, you might naturally be more kind. That's just a personality that you have. And that's a personality fruit that you have. But the actual supernatural fruit, and you see this in people. You know, you see this in people where they have just been full of anger and God is changing them and growing them in a spirit of gentleness and love and joy. You see God doing this in in areas of our lives. And so I just want you to know that you don't have to focus on trying to get better in each one of these. When you connect to Jesus, you grow in all of them. You grow in all of them. Which leads me to the next thing is that it's instant versus gradual. The flesh wants instant. The spirit wants gradual. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. And those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified with its passions and its desires. At the moment that you gave your life to Jesus, you died to sin and you're alive to God. Now, I want you to hear me on this. Sin is bossy. Sin is bossy. But it's not your boss. It's not your boss anymore. Sin is bossy. Oh, it's bossy, all right. But it's not your boss anymore because when you submit your life to Jesus, you're under new management. New management. And the hardship that we have, though, is is this idea of, like, I don't feel like I'm growing. But you are. See, and what we have to realize is in this verse, it says, and those who belong to Christ. That, just that right there, that should do something in your heart. You belong to Christ. You are now Christ. Do we struggle with sin? Yes. So welcome. 
We struggle. Are we under the control of sin? No. And there's a difference. There's a difference. Do you struggle with fear? Yes. Do you struggle with anger? Yes. Do you struggle with lust? Yes. Do all those things struggle within us? Yes. But do they control you? No more. You have a new boss. His name is Jesus. And he wants you to be free. He wants you to grow. And, and oftentimes we look at our lives and we, we, we get so fed up with where we are. We go, man, I just, I'm not as far as where I want to be. And we think that somehow that God loves some future version of us. Like God's going to love this future version of me. Like when I get to here, God's going to be pleased with me. And can I just tell you right now, God is never going to love you any less than he does right now. And he's never going to love you any more than he does right now. And your growth is gradual. How many of you do the thing with your kids where you're, you, know, you do the, the little doorposts and you do the little growth marks, you know, the little ticks on that? You do that? Uh, you know, with Joel, that's been our thing. You know, for two years, if you go and you look at his medical chart, it was like this. And then I went and t- brought him to the doctor last week and we went and got his, growth, his new growth chart and it was like this and it was like this. And then his weight was like this and it was like this and his height was like this and then it was like this. And, and for us as parents, we're with him all the time. So you can kind of still start saying, yeah, man, he's growing. He's getting a little bigger, whatever. But for other people who haven't seen him for a while, they come and look at him and go, whoa, like he's huge. And he's not where he should be, but he's not where he used to be. And can I tell you this for everybody in here? You're, you're, you're not where you should be, but you won't be there till you die anyway, so don't worry, okay? But you're not where you used to be. You're not where you used to be. And so growth is gradual. It's slow growth, God doing this in our lives. Number four, and we're going to wrap this up, isolation versus community. The flesh wants isolation. Nobody Nobody needs to know. You're the only one that goes through this. And the spirit is longing for community. Look, look what it says now in verse, 25, uh, verse 26, uh, 25 and 26. Now, notice something real quick, and, I, and we're going to move quick. But in verse 16, he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And he's telling them, you walk by the Spirit, you be led by the Spirit, you live by the Spirit. Now, watch the shift that happens in verse 25 and 26. Verse 25 says, and if, what's the next word? If, say it out loud, if, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So it's this idea that it went from if you to if we. When we gather, and hear me when I say this, when we gather in a worship service like this on a Sunday, there is something very powerfully happening inside of you. Very powerfully. And I so long to be a place and to be a church where you can come and be open and honest and real about how your week was. There's actually a number of you. I went and introduced myself to you today and said, hey, how are you doing? They said, not so well. And I, I so appreciate that. Because if there's anything that I despise more than, <laughs> than most things, it's fake. I hate it because in being fake, the only person you hurt is you. That's like going to a doctor and going, doctor, I'm hurting. And he goes, okay, where at? Oh, I don't know. 
well, you came here in the office. Why'd you come in the office? I don't know. I just feel like I should be here, you know. I'm kind of hurting. Where at? I really don't want to tell you. Okay, well, what do you want me to do? I don't know. Tell me what I should do. Like, pray for me. Help me. With what? I don't, I don't know. You see how that works? And we do that in church. We do that in church. And this verse is telling us, let us, if we, we live by the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit, which means this, you need people. And I'm going to tell you when you find out you need people, let tragedy strike. And you'll find out how much you need people. You'll find out how much you wish that you were walking with people and you were honest with people. Because God's invitation right now is for you and I to be open and honest about what's going on. If your marriage is struggling, just share it. If you're struggling with addictions, just share it. Because the Bible says when we confess our sins to one another, it's for healing. We confess our sins to God for forgiveness, but we confess our sins to one another for healing. Because you know what other people can do? Then they can walk with you to help you. And so that is what the flesh says, nobody needs to know. And community is the spirit side going, tell somebody. Tell somebody. Tell somebody. And the goodness of God doesn't make us run from him. It makes us run to him. Because he's the only one that can help us. When we're led by the Spirit, these are the two things that we experience. Number one is intimacy. Galatians 5.16 says, And if we walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Adam and Eve, they walked with God. You look all throughout the Old Testament, God was walking with his children. He was leading them through the wilderness as a pillar of cloud and, and a fire by night. I mean, he could have just given them a map. But no, he chose to walk with them. Emmanuel, what we sing about oftentimes in Christmas, is this idea of God is with us. And so if there's anything that the Spirit is longing for inside of you and fighting for, is fighting for intimacy. See, Paul doesn't give you a command to stop sinning. Did you notice that? Paul doesn't say, stop that! Quit it! And he also doesn't give you a command to start bearing fruit either. He doesn't say, you need to bear fruit. You know what he says? It's an invitation to just walk with the Spirit. Because here's what happens. When I walk with the Spirit, I stop that and I bear fruit. So you don't have to stop sinning. Some of you need to hear this. You don't have to stop sinning. And you don't have to bear fruit. You just have to stay connected to Jesus. He wants you to be with him. He wants to be connected with you. And the last one is this, victory. We get victory. Not only do we get intimacy with the Spirit of God, but when the Spirit of God is ruling and reigning our heart, we get victory. Romans 7, verse 24, we read that earlier about, about the war that wrestles in, within, in us. And at the end of that chapter, at the end of chapter 7, this is what he says. Oh, what a miserable person I am. This is Paul. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will flee from this life? Who will free me, sorry, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Who's going to free me from this? Verse 25 is the greatest verse. Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
And isn't it good to know that while we, are still, while we still live in a broken world and we still have sin that lives inside of us, that God is battling on our behalf, that God is winning. Galatians 5, chapter 1, the very beginning of this chapter, the very first verse, it says this, For freedom Christ has set you free. For freedom Christ has set you free. So stand firm, therefore, and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. For freedom, Christ has set you free. This idea of freedom is both the noun and the verb. It is freedom that God wants, and he wants to set you free so you can have freedom. And freedom for us as Christians is both the means and the end. And Jesus did not die on the cross for partial freedom. He died on the cross for full freedom, for complete freedom, for permanent freedom. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished What he meant was, you are free. That's what he meant to you and I. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. It was our sin that left that crimson stain. But it was his grace that washed it white as snow. That is what we believe. And this is the offer. Can you you hear the invitation today? This is the offer that Jesus offers to you and I. Don't be a slave. Freedom, what is he freeing us from? See, most of us believe, we know that God frees us from stuff, but what you don't realize is that he also frees you to something. He saves you to something. So you're free from being a slave, but now you're saved to being a son. You're free from having an ought to to now doing a want to. From death to life. Y'all see what's happening here? From from committed to sin, death to sin, to alive in God, from duty to delight, from blind to now that I see, from trying to earn grace to freely receiving grace. This is the life that God gives us, and this is the offer that God extends on the table. And you and I, we have inner war inside of us, sin and flesh, and that is okay. But know that Jesus is inviting you to be with him, to walk in the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. And when you do that, not only will you get intimacy with God, but you'll get victory in whatever you're walking through.